Okay, Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. Um, today's is a, for Sabbath school, we have a Bible study based on Genesis chapter 24. Genesis 24 is considered the most romantic chapter of the Bible. The most what, everybody? Okay, some of the girls are getting excited. This is going to be a romantic uh, story. Uh, this story is entitled, A Little Drink. A little what? Last night, we talked about leaven, a little leaven. If you remember from last night, what are the three types of yeast that Jesus said to beware about? Pride, which is the leaven of? Herod. Okay. it's a good Asian. Anyone? Number two? Hypocrisy, which is the leaven of? And third? Doubt, which is the leaven of the Sadducees. And Jesus said, these are, these are not big things, these are small things, but a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Um, I believe we are living, and those of you who understand this will understand, we are living in the anti-typical day of atonement, which according to the feasts of the fall and the spring, we are living in the current day of atonement. And in the Jews of old, in order to prepare for the day of atonement, they would cleanse their houses of all yeast. And today, as we're waiting for Jesus to come, we're not supposed to go home and clean our houses. I mean, it's, it's okay to have clean houses. But we are to clean, cleanse our hearts of doubt, of pride, of hypocrisy in order to prepare for the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a sanctuary component to that. If you understood that, praise the Lord. If you didn't, then, then ask your youth pastor what I just said. Go to Genesis chapter 24. It's all introduction to help you turn to Gen Genesis is the first book of the Bible. If you know where that is, uh, bless your heart. If you don't, then you're weird here, okay? Just kidding, we love you. Genesis 24, verse 1. Are you there? Verse 1. The proper response when the preacher is asking if you're there is, Amen, I am there. Are you there? Okay, good. It's, you're not being Pentecostal if you speak out loud. It's very interesting. I pastored in Detroit. And uh, I went to some, some African-American black churches. And I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm Korean. I'm Asian. So I'm just preaching like, hello, everybody. You know, good morning. Happy Sabbath. And they're like, yes, sir. Good morning. You know, preach the word. And I'm like, happy Sabbath to you, too. That was the introduction. And it was, there's something enlivening, empowering when you're communicating and dialoguing with the, with the congregation. I pastored a Caucasian church in Detroit. And I would say, good morning. And I was like, good morning. Okay, well, that's, you know, a little bit subdued. But I also pastored a Korean church. I was a pastor of a Korean, Korean church. So, 여러분, 안녕하세요. 환영합니다. 기쁜 안식이래요. Like a little, what is it? Uh, uh, crickets. What are crickets? Okay. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Just like this morning. Okay, very good. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. And before we read scripture, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just one more time. Father in heaven, all jokes aside, we lay our minds, our hearts, our souls, our bodies before you here this morning. And Father, we thank you for the holiness of the very fabric of this Sabbath time. May this holiness be inculcated in our very beings. Father, we don't deserve this. We are, we are deep sinners but we ask for the forgiving blood of Jesus to be attributed to us. We ask that your character be attributed to us. And we ask here that the word may come alive, not by through any human means or an orator, but through your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for having blessed us last night. 
And Lord, you know every brother and sister in this room. You know, regardless of the state that we're from, racial background, or age, we need to hear from the words of Jesus. We really do. So, Father, may we hear from the throne directly this morning during Sabbath school. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 24, verse 1. Chapter 24, verse 1. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Verse 1, the Hebrew does this to emphasize something. To, it says basically twice that Abraham is what? He's old. Okay. So it's like, it's like Abraham was old, and by the way, he was really old. Okay, the, well, the, the Hebrew says, or the English says, advanced in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in, in all things. And Abraham was one of the few people who was known to be one of the richest men. And if you are spiritual and if you're focused on God, it is, does that, that does not automatically mean that you become poor. You can become rich and spiritual, yes? God entrusts those to use his wealth more faithfully. Verse 2, Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my what? Okay, is that weird anyone out so far? When's the last time you put your hand, I, I don't want to know, if not, not interested. But here, back then, this was a Old Testament custom, meaning, and here's what happens. All of you here, I think, are relatively young. Uh, you're, I don't, I'm not going to do the age thing, but when you're young, you think you're young. Yes? And what that means is you don't know how old you are. You feel like the rest of your life, you're going to be young. You feel invincible. Okay, Gentlemen in this room, do you feel invincible? Okay, focus on the sermon. I know that your future spouse is walking across there. Don't focus on your future spouse. They're all old people, so that's not your future spouses there. I hope not. There's something biblically wrong if that's the case. Uh, you feel invincible. And what happens is as you get older, you start losing your invincibility. Gentlemen, your muscle tone starts decreasing. Girls, you get, start getting uglier, and your face starts sagging down to your knees. Okay? It will happen to you. You can put all the makeup you want. You still look ugly. And you get older and older and older. And finally, eventually, you feel weak. And then you start feeling old, and this is after ministering to to those who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100 years old, you stop feeling your invincibility, and you start feeling your frailty. When you're young, you think about, what can I do with my life? What are all the advantages, all the opportunities and privileges, and oh, I can do all these things, and I'm going to be these things, but when you're on the other side, you stop thinking those things. I know it seems a little foreign. Then you start thinking, what have I done? Have I lived my life well? How am I going to continue the legacy of my life? And you start thinking of kids. Then you start thinking of your kids, kids. Then you start thinking of your kids, 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 kids. And you start thinking, you start thinking of the future after you're dead. And here Abraham was old. He was so old, he was well stricken in age, according to the Bible says. And he starts thinking, oh, my son is still not married. This morning's message is, one, on one level, a practical message on those of you who are not married, on what to look for in a future spouse. But for those of you who are older, there is a deeper message underlying this. It's not a normal, uh, how to get married, according to the Bible kind of message. Okay? 
Here he asks his servant to come, and then the Old Testament custom is only when they're trusted on a certain level, Abraham invites this guy to place his hand underneath his thigh to make a promise. That means, this is this, you know, down here is kind of a weird, sensitive area. It means I trust you enough to bring you to this area, and I want to make you, make you promise me, and, this, is, and this, this, this intimacy is involved. Okay, does that make sense? Verse 3, Abraham says, I will make you swear by the Lord, <clears throat> the God of heaven, and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife from my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but you should go to my country and to my family and take a wife from my son, son Isaac. He says, you shall not take a wife amongst the Canaanites. And you may be wondering what's wrong with the Canaanites. I went to a seminary and they showed me a Canaanite tablet. Ancient Canaanite worship was disgusting. It was all based on adult extracurricular activities based on reproductive activities. Is it making sense? For those of you who are getting what I'm getting, you picking up what I'm laying down. For those of you who are young, don't, don't understand what I'm trying. But it was based on Mother Earth and then the Heavenly Sky Father and then male-female interactions. Okay? And so those who are Canaanite worshipers partook in the most grossest of activities involving male, female, baby, children, animals, uh, inanimate objects, and weird, and just all in worship. Okay? Now, praise the Lord, you're here in your suits here at Kohara Springs. Yes, this, we are in worship today. And so Abraham says, don't you dare take a wife amongst the Canaanites. Go back to my other country where they were monotheistic. Skip down here. Go to verse um, 8. And the woman, if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant took, so the servant put his hand underneath the thigh of his master, swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took how many camels? How many? Ten. Now remember that. Ten camels. Ten camels and depart. And by the way, these ten camels are a major character in this story. Ten of his camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. He arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. He made his camels kneel outside the city by the well of water at evening time, the time when women, when women go out to draw water. Here he goes to this, this little village and he makes his camels kneel. How many camels are there? Ten? All ten. In my imagination, they're like nicknamed, you know, Rudolph and Blitzen and, and Donner. And it's like, okay, you guys kneel. And they're, they're kneeling. And here he goes to the well. And by the well, the well is not in our, in our Western mind. We think of like a well. We think of like stones and a circle and a little, like a little roof. And that's not a well. That's a European well. A Middle Eastern well was probably a cave that you went down all the way into the ground. And there was like a little underground little river or a pond. You get your little water and you come back up. Now in a desert culture, you never get water at noontime. Why not? Because it's hot. 
Okay. So in a desert, in the morning, early morning, or in the evening, it's super cool. And back then, men did some stuff and women did other stuff. It was within the woman's responsibility to get water. Water comprised of washing, cleaning, cooking, baby thingies, and all the stuff revolved around water. So all the women get to, got together in the morning. All the women got together at the evening. And when women get together... And men do this too, but more so women, there is a heightened level of information exchange. Yes? And so all women get together and they're talking, they're talking, they're talking. That's why later on in John chapter 4, there was one woman getting one woman getting water at noontime. Is that weird? It's very weird. So Jesus said, hey, this is kind of weird. It's kind of like we're all here worshiping, and there's that one person all the way there by the, 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 the lake. Are they going through something? Are they, is there something weird with that person? So Jesus had that sense, and so Jesus goes to minister to that person. Here he goes to the well, and he prays in verse 12. Are you guys with me? Verse 12. And he said, and he prays, O Lord God of my master Abraham, Please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold! Now, by the way, whenever the Bible uses the word behold, it is not some kind of weird King James uh, old word. It is what we call today an emotive marker. A what, what? Emotive markers is a word that denotes emotion. Today, in the English language, we have something called an exclamation mark. Yes? So if I say hi, or if it's high exclamation mark, are the two different? Yes. Uh, when, I, when I, maybe about 10 years ago, what was popular was something called I am chats. Have you heard of this? And do, you, do people even chat anymore? It's more texting. But there's something called an emoticon. Have you heard of emoticon? Okay. And so emoticons were markers or indicators of emotion. So if I was typing, and I was typing my friend Alistair, and I said, H-I, that was high, emotionless. You don't know what's behind this high. It could have been an evil high. It could have been a passive-aggressive high. It could have been stalker high, or I want to kill you high, or I love you high. You don't know what kind of high this is. So if you do H-I exclamation mark, this means what? You're excited. Hi! But it could have been, I'm a stalker, hi, or I love you, hi, or hi, you know, I don't know. Now, there was something called emoticons. You put H-I, exclamation mark, smiley face, then you knew this was a normal hi. Hi. And the smiley face was, you know, that, that warmth would exude out. Then there was a period where you do H-I, Smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. Then you knew this person was crazy and stalking you online. <laughs> then you go to the X and you click out of that. Whenever you see the word behold, it is an emotive mark. In, in Hebrew, there is no exclamation mark. So instead, it uses the word hine or hineni. Word translated means behold. So whenever you're reading the Bible and you come across the word behold, you need to stop and you need to scream it out loud at the top of your lungs. Okay? Can you do that? Repeat after, repeat after me. Behold! Behold. Uh, that is the most Korean behold ever. Behold! Behold! Yeah, good. That's, you need the Korean ajashi in the shikdang, you know, kind of 
Petu Ajasi style. Okay, good. Verse 14. Verse 13. Behold! Here, you missed it. Here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Verse 15. And it happened before he had finished what? Can God and does God Answer your prayer before you've even finished praying your prayer. Absolutely. So even before you say, in Jesus' name, I pray, the Lord's like, yep, got it done. Finished. It's gotten taken care of. Especially, I believe, when it comes to spousal uh, finding. That's not one of Finding your spouse. Verse 15. And it happened before he had finished speaking that, Behold! Thank you, that one person. Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out. And this is what the Bible really, if you look at the verbs, the Hebrew slows down. And my imagination, just what happens is, here the servant is in front of all these women, and these women are getting water. You hear water, splash, splash. And all of a sudden, Rebecca came out. Cue, orchestral sound, sound, soundtrack music. Okay, Korean OSTs will we'll be, we'll be working here. And then the, the, the movie shots get really slow down. The wind all of a sudden comes out of nowhere from the east. The girl's hair becomes like a Pantene commercial flowing in the wind. And they zoom into her feet and she's like stepping really... You know, everyone has like these like elephant legs, but she has like these nice delicate legs that like just glide on top of the sand. And, and then she has a pitcher on her shoulder. Now question, how big is this pitcher? Now, she, hasn't, she doesn't have, like, this Brita pitcher on her shoulder, okay? Back then, water was the life for everything. All the cooking, cleaning, blah, 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 blah. So this pitcher was yay big, according to archaeological sites, came up to her hip and was made out of clay. Probably kind of like this. And this thing was on her what? Shoulder. So this girl... Was she some dainty girl that was thinking, oh, I'm going to get my nails all chipped over, and she's just picking up a little, like, little, you know, Brita picture? No, she was buff. <laughs> all right? She had some shoulder power, and she could go down into the cave, take this clay pitcher, <laughs> put it on her shoulder, and come it up. Okay? She's like the She-Hulk here. Okay? Verse 15. And it happened before he had done finished speaking that behold, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her, her shoulder. Now, here, this passage gives qualities of what to look for. Verse 16. Here we're talking about a woman. So men, look, see for what you need to look for, but this also applies to the opposite gender. Just apply it to the opposite gender. Verse 16. Now, the young woman was what? The Bible could have said just beautiful, but it inserts an adverb in front of it to modify the adjective beautiful, denoting she was not of normal beauty, but she was of extraordinary beauty. It is not wrong to be looking for beauty in this day and age. Yes? It is a biblical virtue. 
But what is more important than physical beauty is inner beauty. C.D. Brooks, who is a wonderful preacher, said there are four types of people. Okay? There's beautiful, 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 ugly, ugly, beautiful, and ugly, ugly. Beautiful people, beautiful, beautiful people are beautiful who are on the outside, beautiful, and beautiful on the inside. And this is the ideal to go for. You're looking at them, you're like, wow. I don't know, I'm looking at a guy. Okay, you are just so beautiful. And the more you get to know that person, their inner character comes out, and their beauty gets even more beautiful. Yes? There are people who are ugly beautiful. Who you're like, wow, they're beautiful on the outside, but the inside, they're just the ugliest person. So the more you get to know them, you're like, man, you're, you're, I don't, I'm, not, I'm starting to not, ew. And you're getting uglier and uglier and uglier as time passes. There's some people who are, who are beautiful, ugly. They're really ugly on the outside. I'm, I don't mean to be looking at you. They're ugly on the outside, but the more you get to know them, you start, this person, wow, Kinshanta, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, this, hey, this is great. And they become more and more beautiful as you get to see them. And C.D. Brooks, Pastor Brooks said, whatever you do, Avoid ugly, ugly people. They're already ugly to begin with, and the more you get to know them, they even get uglier as time passes. Here, verse, 18, verse 16, Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold. She was a virgin. No man had known her. Just like how the Bible emphasized how old Abraham was, it emphasizes how pure uh, uh, Rebecca was. And I want to really mention this. Maybe some of you are too young, so I won't get into too much detail. But I really believe that sexuality must be preached from the pulpits in churches. God is the author of sexuality, and you must hear and learn about sexuality in church. There's a whole book in the Bible dedicated to sex called Song of Solomon. And if you read it, if you understand the nuances, it's not talking about deer and wine and flowers. It's talking about <clears throat> okay. ancient Jews and Orthodox Jews today, you cannot read that book until you are 16 years old. They actually put some tape on top of it. And on your 16th birthday, you get to open the tape and, and, and read Song of Solomon. Aren't you glad you're Korean Seventh-day Adventist? You can read that any... No, you don't have to read it anytime you want. But Here, she emphasizes that she was sexually pure. And I want to say that, and we won't get into this, if you do not get your information about sexuality from church, where do young people today get their information from? From movies, television, and namely the internet is where the easiest access is, and I would say that's not a very uh, wholesome, holy, wonderful source of information. Uh, According to Song of Solomon, sexuality is one of the holiest uh, gifts that God has given us. In Genesis 1 and 2, there are two creation accounts. Many people think these two creation accounts contradict each other. But what the Bible is trying to emphasize is in the first creation account, the apex or the highest point, the emphasis, is on the Sabbath. On the what? What Sabbath is, it's time. It's what? Do you know what time is? Do you all want to experience time? Ready? Ready? Three, two, one. Time. And what God says is in the very fabric of time. Welcome, girls. Welcome, welcome. You're super late, but we, we love you anyway. Okay. 
We won't embarrass you, but we love you still nonetheless. In the fabric of time, God places his presence in the very fabric of time. Does that make sense? That's what Sabbath is. So can you ever get away from time? Can you ever say, like, no, I don't know, oh, Sabbath, go away? No, because the time is, is all, God places his presence in time. In the second creation account, the apex is not Sabbath, but the apex in Genesis 2. What's the apex of Genesis 2? It's marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Okay? Now, man and wife, when they get together, God places his presence in the very essence when man and woman come together and they have a holy relationship. Amen? Satan hates these two things. So number one, is Satan trying to erase Sabbath from this earth? Yeah, Sunday and all what's whatever worships. Is Satan trying to erase holy sexuality from this earth? And, and the Bible gives it akin to fire. This is actual the Shekinah glory. The fire of God is placed between one man, no, no, one man and one woman. And when they come together, the, 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 the extracurricular happiness that's experienced by them together is the actual presence of God. And it's so hot that it needs to be protected in the confines of marriage. Of what, everybody? Because if it's not, it spreads like wildfire all through society. And let me ask you, is sexuality rampant in society today? You can't go through the, to the, 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 the highway without seeing a billboard that has all this weird stuff on it. This girl was living in an era of rampant sexuality, and she made a conscious choice to say, you know what? I am expensive. I am worth it. I am a daughter of God, and no man's going to touch me until they put a, re, a, 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 a house, a, a, a job, a, a, a character, a, a, has a man who's got it with it and is able to sustain me that I can contribute all of my talents and, and all of who I am to his life. Ladies, how many of you are willing to marry anyone who is good-looking but super poor and a total idiot when it comes to character. What happens is, and especially in Korean Adventism, okay, often our standards are so low when it comes to the opposite gender. When we come to church, we're looking for the opposite, we're just looking for the cutest guy or the cutest church. Camp meeting is the epitome of, 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 of beanie dating. Where the girls are all on that side, guys are all on that side, and they're like, ooh, that's, that person's cute. And all this weird foolishness happens. Gentlemen, how many of you want are not looking for character, but you're looking for physical attributes that are just, 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 just very expensive to the world, but cheap in the Lord's eyes? 
We need to be a generation of young people who value ourselves, not because we're awesome, not because we got super high grades on our SATs, not because we went to Yale, Harvard, or Stanford, not because we played violin since we were in our our mom's bellies. It's because we are a daughter or son of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've been redeemed by the cross. And you say, you know what? I am expensive. I am expensive. Not because I am because Jesus died for me. And you value especially your sexuality. If this is clear, please say amen. Verse 18, uh, verse 17, verse 16, <laughs> verse 16. Now the young woman was very be- beautiful to behold, a virgin, no man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and she came up with her, and her shoulders are buff. Remember that we talked about? She's strong. Verse 17. The servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And so she said, verse 18, what does she say? What does she say? Does she say, oh, mashallah. Does she say that? She says, drink, my Lord. We don't use that term, my Lord, but if we were to use modern language, what would that be? Drink. Sir, very good, very good, sir. You want to find someone who uses their language with eloquence and etiquette and who is polite. Words today are considered very cheap, but you want to find someone who's a gentleman who opens the door for a woman. Today, men are like, it's the day of feminism, you open your own door, okay? (laughs) Slam the door in the girl's face. That is not good spouse material. Amen? And you want, and, 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 okay, we'll stop there. She says, drink, my Lord. And she's very polite here. Verse 18, she qu- continuing, verse 18. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him drink. In that sentence, what is the key word in that sentence? Okay, the King James says, hasted. Is there a difference between someone who's slow and someone who's quick? What does it reveal about their character? I was a youth pastor in, 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 in Michigan, and uh, we were finished with an activity, and I asked two girls, because the guys were busy doing the chairs, hey, can you take this collet, this rag, and just wipe over the tables and whatever? And these two girls, radically different. One girl says, yes, pastor. And she, she, um, she whatever this thing. Okay. And she's running over here. And she comes in, is there anything else you need? I'm like, hey, no, that's, that's great. Wow. The second girl, she's like, huh? Okay, which in, if you're not Korean, that's not a good response to do. <laughs> huh? And she took, and she had her nails done. She didn't want to get her nails, and I'm not exaggerating, she picked up the rag with her two fingers like this. She dipped it into the bucket of water. She came out, and the water is like pouring forth Niagara down. And she's dragging, and it's, there's water on the carpet, and she's going like this over the tables. She's making more of a mess than it originally was. Question. Now, maybe they had a difference of education, difference of background, blah, 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 whatever, but in terms of character, by what, the fruits of the actions that you see, does one have a little bit more character than the other? Just by working a little bit more hastily and quickly. In a Korean culture, we call this bali bali. 
or saksake. Does it make sense? Okay, if you don't know what that means, go ask your moms what they did. If she doesn't know, then your, your family's in trouble. Okay, verse 18. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him drink. And when she had finished giving him drink, she said, what does she say? Okay, we're in, in Genesis chapter 24. She says, I will draw water for your who? How many camels were there? Ten camels. Now, how many of you have ever seen a camel before? I got like a real camel, not on YouTube, but like on like, like a real, not at the zoo, but like you go into the desert, like, whoa, there's a camel. Okay. Camels are nasty animals. Okay. I saw on PBS a documentary on, uh, on, on YouTube uh, on, 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 on camels. And these camels are nasty. Did you know they dissected a, ca- a camel and they opened its mouth and they just ripped it open with a knife? And I love this stuff. Bio major. Bio majors in here? Amen? Okay, all pre-med Loma Linda people? Okay, good. And then they ripped open this camel and inside the cheek were these protrusions that came out. Look like, not, not microvilli, but macrovilli are coming out. Okay? Like, dude, what is this? This nasty and it smelled gross. Camels are known to be survivors. They come up to a, 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 a cactus, and any other animal would avoid this cactus. Camel goes and just eats the cactus. <laughs> and eats it, eats it. And camels have these like weird, you know, the. And why it does that, it takes that cactus or whatever it's eating and puts it to the side of its mouth, and those macrovilli are digesting it. So it's got teeth. Then it's got like soft teeth, and it's just this mouth action. It's just... Then it swallows it into one stomach, and the stomach is digesting it with the camel juices and the camel kumul all in there. And it throws up, and it chews it even more, and it goes into another stomach, and it finally digests it. And that process takes like 900 days. <laughs> so that's, I'm exaggerating. And, and camels can survive. Camels can go many long periods of without, without drinking water. Now, they left Canaan and went all the way up, came down to Fertile Crescent into Mesopotamia, and these ten camels are thirsty. The master says, camels, Rudolph, Blitzen, Donner, kneel. They're kneeling. And he goes, and all the women are here, and like, can I have a drink of water? She's like, sure. Yes, sir. And she looks over his shoulder, and these camels are like staring her down, like foaming at the mouth. And she says, I will give water to your camels just a little bit. So they start, is that what the Bible says? The Bible says what? Until they have finished drinking. Now what you don't know is a camel that is not thirsty can drink 35 gallons of water. When it is not thirsty. Now how many camels were there? So you multiply 35 by 10, and mathematicians, Asians, what do you get? 350 gallons. If you're from Korea, it's about 1,000 liters, okay? <laughs> That's a lot. So she's not like, okay, she takes out a little of her Nalgene bottom, like, mm, okay, 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 good, good little boy. And what, she, what you don't understand is these camels, they have a nasty habit, and when they're chewing and they swallow, they have like the remnants, the chikogi, inside their inner their mouth. So they have this nasty habit of and they spit. But when they spit, they don't spit on the sand, they aim at things. How many camels were there? So this girl who's got the shoulder 
uh, this pitcher on her shoulder is running back and forth. She's, she's hastening. She's avoiding these spit missiles coming out of these, can- these, these, these camels. These camels have a nasty habit. A lot of horses, when they see, when they see a person coming, they don't, they're not familiar, they'll kick to the back. Camels have the nasty habit of kicking to the back and kicking to the side. <laughs> so here, Rebecca is diving in an obstacle course of animal legs, avoiding spit rockets coming out of nowhere, holding a pitcher of water and giving and put, and putting water to how many camels? Now, one of these things does not hold much, so she's running back and forth to make these camels more comfortable. Is this a girl of character? Amen? So today, when we ask you to clean up after your chairs and clean up your, 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 your places, how many of you are going to be diligent in the small things? Or how many are going to be sitting around? If you want to be married, you're going to be diligent, okay? Verse 20, she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well and, and draw, drew water, drew for all his camels. And I love verse 21, one of the, the funniest verses in verse 21. And the man wondering at her, Remain silent so as to know whether the Lord has made his journey prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel, two bracelets for her wrists, weighing ten shekels of gold. Here, this woman gives her some money from her uh, as, as, as jewelry for her, uh, her dowry. Here's the point, and we're closing here. How many of you thought this girl intentionally did this to get married. She was just walking, minding her own business. All of a sudden, a man says, can I have some water? She's like, yeah, sure, and I'll go above and beyond. She was faithful in the small things. She was faithful in what? Small things. And the reward was Isaac got a good wife. God blesses people, not for the big things that you do, but blesses you for the small things that you're faithful in. How many of you want to be a doctor? How many of you want to be a pastor? How many of you want to be a lawyer? How many of you want to be a president of the United States? How many of you want to be these great positions? Not that pastor is a great position, but I mean these, these, these attaining positions. And somehow we think, and especially in America, and especially for those who are in Korean immigrant backgrounds, your parents have worked very hard and you have received all these blessings. You have an iPod, you have an iPad, you have an iPhone, you have an LCD TV in your bathrooms, you have nine cars, you have a, a BMW, a CDW, a CD, DVD, DDR, DD, whatever, TDR. You have all these things, and you think, you know what? Oh, do I have to congo I don't want, uh, I don't want to do this. I, I just want to go to Harvard and like marry like, you know, Angelina Jolie, Ellen G. White. That's just, and then I'll just be happy for the rest of my life. How many of you, if you want these things, you need to be faithful in the small things? How many of you, your rooms, are they clean? How many of you, did you take a shower this morning? Gentlemen, how many of you brushed your teeth this morning? There's a lot of Korean boys don't brush their teeth anymore. Their teeth are all sticking out in like nine places. Good business for the dentists. How many of you get good grades in the small things? How many of you are polite to your parents? Use chondemar to your parents. 어머님. 저녁 주세요. Instead of 엄마 밥줘. Okay. How many of you, when you come to church, you bring your Bibles? 
How many of you do your Sabbath school and you memorize your Bible verses? How many of you are nice to your brothers and sisters? Christianity is not coming to church, singing a song, paying a tithe, and going home. It's being faithful in the small things. And God blesses those and faithful in what is least. Amen? So when someone asks you, can I have a little drink? Don't say, ill, nasty old man with camels behind him. Say, oh, this is an opportunity to show forth the character of God. Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? Your response is less than enthusiastic. Is that your prayer? Let's stand and we'll have a benediction here today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we looked at the story in Genesis 24. And Lord, I ask that you reform, revive, refresh, reconvert every person in this room. Lord, we don't want to be just micromanaging, looking at the small things, but Lord, just give us a generous, faithful heart. May Jesus be alive and always before us, the God who we stand before, and help us to be faithful in the small things. Baptize our mouths, our ears, our eyes, our hands. May May we walk about hastily, being diligent in the small things, that we may give glory to thee. This is what we pray for humbly. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.